Welcome back to Bunch of Talks in the Inaka. I'm Linda. And I'm Kana. And welcome back to our year-end reflection. Uh, we're recording this in December 2022. And so right now in Kamikatsu, it is starting to become winter. We had a really late winter this year because the weather was unseasonably warm all of November. And finally, we're starting to feel the chill here. And this year, usually whenever we know that it's, well, when it's winter is when we start taking out our stoves. So a lot of old houses, um, if you're lucky enough to have air conditioning, then you can use that for heat. But most people end up using the gas stoves and people in the city probably don't really use that. I didn't use that until I moved here as well. Um, but the gas stove, basically you fill that with kerosene and you can pick that up at any uh, gas station. And then the kerosene burns and you creates heat. <laughs> Um, something that I'm not used to seeing either is um, maki stove or stoves um, using wood. And mm. so we're at the cafe right now and there's this beautiful wood stove. And um, it's not uncommon to see that either in people's homes. Um, and I, it it's, feels like it should be nostalgic to see, you know, wood burning mm. stove places. But I didn't grow up seeing any of that. And so it's very nice to see that in Kamikatsu. Uh, for me, one of the kind of like images of winter in Kamikatsu I have is when the hoshigaki, which is um, dried persimmon, uh, are started to be hung in front of people's homes. You see these fruits that kind of look like dried prunes and they're just hung um, in rows and rows and rows. And it's this beautiful bright orange that's so contrast to uh, the kind of decay that we see around in winter. So I don't know if people know, but in Japan, the persimmon, the kaki, uh, is a very common fall fruit. But there's two types. One is kind of the round ones that you'll usually buy to eat raw. And then the other is the long, which is what we call hoshikaki. And it's bitter. It's, yeah, yes, exactly. Shibukaki. Mm-hmm. So you have to actually, oh, sorry, yeah, shibukaki, not hoshikaki. Um, and you have to actually dry that because otherwise you can't eat it raw, um, which I you tried to do that one time, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because everyone said that it's astringent. So astringent is like that really dryness in your mouth that you can get from red wine sometimes. And when I had one in my hand, like it was just so perfectly ripe. So I thought, you know, how bad can it be? It was horrible. You had to spit it out. Yeah, completely. And it, the, the flavor lasted in my mouth for a very long time. And it just like completely sucked all the moisture out of my mouth. So I'll never make that mistake again. But once they actually dry them, but we hang, we peel them. Some people boil them first and then you peel them and you hang them up to dry. And eventually the cold will kind of suck, like it'll bring all the sugars out and it becomes dried on its own. And then it tastes super sweet. Yeah, it's a, I wrote about this once, but it's a labor of love because every day you're supposed to squeeze them and give them a little, yeah, a little squeeze. And that helps with the sweetness coming out. And I think that, yes. Like, uh, I think nature's so incredible. And I think about that, something that you have to spit out when it's raw. Mm-hmm. Someone had this idea to just dry it and then it becomes this edible fruit. That's exactly. Uh, yeah, something amazing to eat. You have the ancestors to just thank for that. Um, another way of winter or knowing that it's winter is also the kotatsu, which um, is quite common all throughout Japan, but mostly in the countryside. And the kotatsu is a low-lying table. Uh, with a heater at the bottom of the table and then you put a big blanket over it so that when you turn it on the heat that is generated by the table gets trapped by the blanket and so everybody just sits around with their feet under the kotatsu and it's very common for families to gather around there and just hang out Um, i mean if no one has if someone has visited the countryside then 
you'll know just how cold these houses are because a lot of them are very old. And basically, as soon as you turn off the heat sources, because Japanese houses don't have insulation,、uh, all the heat escapes. And so, how is it at your house in the evenings, Kana? Yeah, it's pretty cold. And、uh, we have all those things the heater, the kotatsu. And,、uh, but we turn everything off at night. And as you said, it gets really cold. And then you just bundle in、mm-hmm. your blankets. If there's a season of sleeping with hats, <laughs> <laughs> the moment that comes, and you know, okay, we're in winter. I think for me, one other thing that's very quintessential to Japanese winter is nabe.、Mm. Um, so when we pull out a big pot and we fill it with、um, a lot of vegetables, a lot of winter vegetables like cabbage, and、um, we heat that up in a dashi in a broth, and then we just all gather and eat around the nabe. Around the pot. And so that's also like kind of a quintessential flavor and landscape. And I think all of this, like the main theme of winter is just gathering, right? Because, I mean, of course, in the cities, you know, people live more separate, but in the countryside or just the way that people used to live, a lot of winter, because it's cold, you know, a lot of these things are ways to gather people together and to kind of share so that even though the weather outside is cold, our hearts are still warm. <laughs> Are you、uh, writing、uh, Christmas cards already? <laughs> <laughs>、yeah. um, uh, last、mm. thing, I think last update from Kamikatsu. Just the other day, we had a Christmas event for the children.、Oh, yeah. One of my favorite events of the year. We also do Halloween, we also do some summer things, but Christmas is always my favorite. We give Santa hats to all the kids. And this year, we had my sister help and we had some awesome games and some.、Um, Great cookies and still dressed up as Santa. Yeah.、Um, we always have like caroling as well. And then, so like getting the kids to learn the words and all singing <laughs> together is just so precious. And especially because, like, for our foreign friends、um, in Japan, Christmas is not really celebrated as a family gathering as it is in the West. And so in Japan, it's more focusing on like couples. So people will go on dates on Christmas. And they have their own traditions here, like eating KFC chicken,、um, buying Christmas cakes. But you know, Santa is something that is more new、um, and being introduced. And so we were really happy to be able to share our culture as well for the people in Kamikatsu and especially for the kids and give them a chance to experience the joy that we knew growing up. Okay.、Um, Any last updates about Kamikatsu? We also finished our rice harvest this year.、Um, well, we finished ha-、uh, half of our rice harvest the last time we talked, but unfortunately, we actually had a whole other half of the rice field that we were waiting to harvest because we planted two different types of seeds. One was regular seeds、uh, or F1 seeds. And just a quick definition so, F1 are usually、uh, modified seeds that are sold by companies. And when you look at actually most farming in Japan and around the world, farmers usually use F1 seeds、um, because those are you know, modified so that they're much hardier and they produce、uh, more consistent yields than what we call heirloom seeds. And heirloom seeds are、uh, non modified and kind of natural seeds, usually local to that one area. And so we wanted to try planting two types.、Uh, one type we planted that was the heirloom seeds were called asahi. And they actually were much hardier in terms of the stalks that they grew,、um, and they、um, like、budded much later. But unfortunately, the experiment 
kind of failed. Uh, we didn't end up getting a lot of rice inside the husks, so many of the husks were empty. And because the rice harvest was finished so late, a lot of the deer came and ate it all. But, you know, it was a great learning experience. And as first-time farmers, first-time rice farmers, um, it was good to know that there's sometimes where you don't succeed. <laughs> okay. So going into um, what we want to talk about today, we actually have a special guest with us. And last time our episode, we talked about the changes that we're going through this year. And Kana mentioned that her partner, Sil, has moved to Kamikatsu. And guess who's here? It's Santa. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Kamikatsu. I've been listening to all your episodes. It's uh, <laughs> been quite a journey, <laughs> so it's great to be part and uh, yeah, to to be to be here in oh Kamikatsu in Ino um, at Polestar Cafe behind the warm stove here. Yeah. So Sil has been waiting to come into Japan, but because the borders were closed for so long, he wasn't able to. But since um, the borders opened this October, he was finally able to come. And so this is all, you know, his all perfectly new to him as well, his first time in Japan. And so we just wanted to ask you, how has your experience been so far? Oh, <laughs> no, I, um, it's been really great. Yeah. Um, I've uh, lived around the world in different places, cities, uh, small villages, and uh, yeah, um, being in Kamikatsu reminds me of uh, rural life uh, elsewhere. Um, uh, People are really kind. I love the um, exchange between people. Uh, For example, yesterday we went to help uh, harvesting the mikan. We did kiwi harvesting, and it's, uh, it's amazing that people just are able to call each other and ask for help, whether that's with some kind of financial support or just doing it because you love to help a little bit. So I really love that about being here. Um, being Kamikatsu also, the mountains are amazing. <laughs> so I, I love being yes. here. Um, it's all green, pine forests. Um, yeah, uh, the winter, I love winter. So it's just a, a nice time of the year. Um, what are some challenges that you've already come across? Um, well, I'm kind of a, an informal person. So I'm the person that will just show up and start talking about whatever or give you a hug. And I think that's been a little bit of a little bit difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's difficult to say. I've been here only a couple of weeks, so I don't want to make generalizations. But I feel people are more formal here even mm-hmm. when your friends or longtime colleagues you're there's still a sense of formality mm-hmm. and and so that's that's more challenging mm-hmm. um that doesn't take away that people aren't kind um but this uh sense of formality is is is, is more challenging i, I definitely say. feel that as well i mean i think coming from canada i'm just so used to hugging everybody and so one of the things that i realized i changed about myself like before i started meeting more canadians was that i stopped hugging people in japan mm-hmm. because you know after a while you're like oh i'm freaking everyone out <laughs> mm-hmm. and then but actually that's something that i've brought back and I guess I kind of feel like if you if you like to do that, then you should just keep doing that. If it, because then you know there are some people who 
have now started hugging me, you know, in my community in Kamikatsu. And I think that we've given them also a permission to hug because people around them probably also don't feel comfortable with hugging. So they've never maybe experienced it. It's important to respect boundaries, whatever, wherever you are, but it's like, nice, like you said, uh, Nanda, that you're able to push a little bit of those boundaries or change a little bit of people's feelings or mindsets or whatever cultural attitudes or, you know, they have by just being yourself mm-hmm. in, I mean, in a still respectful way. Mm-hmm. And so. I think people are more flexible and adaptable than we give them credit for. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can be authentic and act um, truly with that love and mm-hmm. intention in mind, then I think people are quite open to responding. I think that it could be a shock. So there's that shock factor that can surprise a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I think when we're honest with ourselves, that resonates with the people we express that towards. That's true. Yeah, definitely. You know, we're all humans at the end of the day and we all just want to be loved. <laughs> But um, yeah, I feel loved being here and coming at so many people around. So yeah. Okay, shall we reflect on the year? Yeah. Uh, maybe Linda, you can start with something like one of the highlights of the year and something where you feel like it was a challenge. Okay. Um, I think one thing I really loved about this year was that I feel like I've deepened my relationships in Kamikatsu. So when I first moved here, you know, the people that I was really close to was Terumi and her family because I live with them as well. And then everybody else I knew because I was meeting them, but I didn't necessarily hang out with them on my own. Um, but now it's been almost three years of doing Ino, and we hang out with a lot of the teachers. We get to interact with them a lot. And so a lot of them now have started to feel like actually my friends. You know, so we work a lot with an organic farmer named Narumi-san. Um, and I, I've, it's weird that threshold, right? Where one, pers- one, one moment someone is an acquaintance and then the next moment someone is your friend and you care deeply about them. And I feel like there's been more people who have crossed that threshold for me now. Uh, same thing with Nakamura-san, you know, like he's someone that I've always looked up to and has someone we bring on a lot of our guests to go see. Um, he is the teacher living in the mountains who has a f- almost fully sustainable life on his own. And now I just feel like Oh, I can just go and hang out with it, you know? I think that's um, a reflection of the investment of time you spent with those people. Mm. I think that those don't come naturally in general, and I think Mm. maybe even harder to come by in a place that's so not populous with people who share similar backgrounds and interests. And Mm. I think those differences can feel like such a gap at the beginning. And then, as you said, once that threshold crosses, it becomes so much more interesting because they're people you would never have had the opportunity to be surrounded by. And then, yeah, as, as I was saying earlier, that I think that that's a reflection of how much um, quality time and mm-hmm. you've um, spent with these people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been reflecting a lot about like what makes Kamikatsu so special to me, right? And you know, there's other places in Japan that are also doing zero waste, like the separation recycling. You know, there are other places that have really amazing communities, like Kamiyama, that's close to us as well. But there's still something always about Kamikatsu, and I, it, it's just like the like you said, the investment that we've made with everybody together here. And, you know, that is something that is completely unquantifiable. And time spent with people, something I realize is the most important thing you can have. There's just nothing that beats it. You know, FaceTime, like technology helps, but there's nothing that beats person to person, like face-to-face interactions. 
talking about nothing, having a coffee, and just laughing. Like, it's great. (laughs) (laughs) And yourself, what has been like something that was really positive that stood out this year? It could be in Japan or elsewhere. Um, I made made a dream come true. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always wished to make a long distance tour um, on bike, on foot. And um, yeah, I did it on bike. So I biked from Brussels to Athens, which is about 4,000 kilometers. Mm -hmm. And um, in the beginning, I was very scared. I I mean, we've all traveled so much, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But with the pandemic, I've spent two years in Belgium. I've reestablished my uh, my friendships, uh, my family bonds, and it was actually really much more difficult to leave Belgium mm. and I was kind of always delaying it a little bit and then I started and yeah it's been the best thing that I've done in the past few years um, and yeah it's been great I've met so many incredibly kind people on the road so I was biking with my tent and I camped around people's homes I, you know it's, yeah it's been just an amazing experience really <laughs> you made friends by surprise when they walk up they're like what <laughs> Who's that? Yeah, I, um, the first night I spent, for example, in Italy, I, I camped in a field near a family's home, and I got up, I was packing my tent, and this Italian person came up with, to me with a cup of coffee. So I was like, <laughs> that's really funny because, I mean, it's so amazing, kind, but it's like also that's like great. an Italian working, walking up to me with a, with a cup of coffee, Espresso, which was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Anna? Uh, for me, uh, honestly, um, these past two years in Kamikatsu, um, it's been it's been wonderful and lovely, and I've had to experience it with Linda and also build those relationships and friendships. Um, but sharing it with family, sharing it with my sister, sharing it with Sil this year as well has been extra special. It feels like um, that this place is not just mine or not just ours, Linda and I, but it's people who have meant a lot to me before I came to Kamikatsu and they get to experience this place that I've been talking about for so long. And um, it really warms my heart knowing that they feel very at home here as well and that they feel um, like this is a special place as well and that we can share that together. And that's been really, really special. Um, It hasn't been anything like, I haven't done anything big or grand, but um, if anything, it's been the opposite. And it's just been the subtle and calm ways that um, it's feel like I feel more at home. Mm. That like calmness, you know, when people like look back on a year, I think that there's something so special about just saying like, oh, we lived every single day and it, it, there was no like big, you know, big, big moments or like big, big disappointments. And yet every single day bled into a whole year that was just so peaceful. Like, you know, I just think that that is something to be so grateful for and to live in this environment, live with people who love and support us. And this is really one of the most special places on earth. (laughs) Well, that's so much positivity. Maybe we should just not talk about challenges. (laughs) (laughs) I know. But let's have two, like, two sides of the coin. So, Syl, what were some challenges you experienced this year? Oh, um, I don't know. (laughs) I mean... This year has been very positive for me, to be honest, after a couple of difficult years due to COVID. Um, I, I haven't experienced challenges, to be honest. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I cannot say. I mean, I'm, well, 
I mean, my, for example, my bike journey was hard. It was really hard to leave my family and my friends behind. But I've made that decision and I've made it very consciously. Mm -hmm. So that was hard, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm happy. Like I'm very content making those decisions. Having, having taken those decisions myself, I mm -hmm. think that that's pretty important. And um, so, no, besides like having to bike up um, a 25 kilometer long mountain with like a, a 60 kilogram packed bike, that was challenging for sure. <laughs> that was hard and I wanted to cry sometimes, but like still I was so happy doing it, you know, mm -hmm. because it was my own decision. I was like going for things, not being afraid, you know, not regretting that I, that I didn't do it, but was doing it. So, yeah. I wonder if that resonates with you and this big challenge and change that you're going through. It's maybe something that you feel is a big challenge, um, leaving Kamikatsu to go to Tokyo, but it's also something that you chose for yourself. Um, mm. I wonder if any of that resonates. No, 100%. Um, recently went to Nakamura-san's and then one of the things he was talking about was, you know, the most important thing, like no matter what you do in your life, it's just like if you're making your life, as long as you have the autonomy of choice to do that, then everything is interesting, right? You get to choose even the hard moments and like the easy moments. And that choice somehow makes all the difference. And so I feel like this year, you know, the traveling and being in two places at once or being in two places and living in two places was challenging, but it was also my choice. So it was my choice to go to Tokyo, it was my choice to be in Kamikatsu and having that choice itself really made like such a huge difference. Um, but I think that the main challenge I feel like I've like experienced this year was learning different types of communication was, you know, sometimes I think just a little self-reflection, you get really caught up in your own image of who you are. And so then there's that way that you portray yourself. And me and you, we've really learned like through us working together, through also living together, you know, how like communication, um, there's a lot of mutual communication and that has made it easy for me. And so I've somehow like I've developed this idea that I'm an easy communicator. But then as I meet other people, you know, I realize that actually I communicate differently and people perceive my communication differently. And so it's having to first like come up against that and then reflect on myself and also try to learn from that as well because I think the hardest thing is realizing that you're not as perfect as you might think you are. And I think the ego is something that really is hard to come up against and then to want to change that as well has been a challenge, but a, a really good one. Um, I feel the growth, <laughs> the growing pains. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what challenges are. It's like also a matter of perspective. Like are these challenges something we can look at and something we can grow from or something that's really hard in the moment and then we can look back and say we overcame something that was really hard um or is it something we complain about you know <laughs> i mean we can still complain about it <laughs> and still grow from it and yourself true. kana challenges also nothing really comes up to mind i guess maybe something that i've been reflecting on as well and maybe not a challenge but something i want to be more mindful of, about is how I spend my time. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, when the pandemic um, was here in Kamikatsu, we had a lot of mm -hmm. free time. 
Here comes the five o'clock bell. Yay. <laughs> it's so nice. I love it. Sweet memories, I love right? like a seven, mm. ten, twelve, three, five o'clock bell. Yeah, it gives you like, oh, no. talking about time. Yeah, that's a, that's a reminder <laughs> of time itself. And uh, for me, um, just being more mindful, like we went into a very busy period recently with the borders opening up and a lot of people coming in to Japan and Kamikatsu. And that was such a contrast to almost having nothing to do and all this free time. And in the moments of free time, also wanting to do work, but also being very content with just kind of living day by day.、Mm. And now having work, feeling purposeful and financially more stable, but then not feeling like I have time to develop and just kind of be. And so I think having more control over both and having a better balance somehow is something I want to be more mindful into the, into the next year.、Mm-hmm. And I think that also comes with us needing to learn to say no as well, right?、Mm-hmm. And learning how to balance that because we're so used to being in this mode of saying yes to everything because we've only been open and kind of accepting everybody that comes through、um, and making all of our schedules around our guest schedules. But now that the borders are open and the, in, the volume of people that want to come has increased by a lot, you know, I think again, prioritizing also our mental health and our capacities over just wanting to please everyone and wanting to give everybody the best experience possible.、Mm-hmm. Okay, final question.、Mm-hmm. Uh, as we're wrapping up 2022 and moving into 2023, as cliche as it is and as You know, as <laughs> give it to us,、yeah. give us the cliches. What are your New Year's resolutions? <laughs> to lose 20 pounds. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um,、oh, mm. Okay, so first thing, let's just say the first thing that comes to our minds、um, I want to do more creative things with my hands. I want to spend more time like, just writing, doodling, doing whatever, but sitting in silence and letting my mind dictate what to do rather than letting the world dictate where my mind should go. Wow. <laughs> I think good.、Um, for me, it's maybe like a boring one, I'm not sure, but、um, trying to live without plastics. Like, We're in Kamikatsu Zero Waste Village as it is being proclaimed, but that comes with a lot of side、uh, connotations.、Um, there is still plastic use. But,、um, so, yes, I would love to live a life where I'm not so dependent on single use plastics, not plastics in general, but single use plastics.、Um, and then, of course, being able to have a, a basic conversation in Japanese would be lovely to understand people around here. Yes, that would be my two.、Um, Resolutions? Yeah. Yeah, neither are boring. <laughs>、yeah. Oh, another one? Sugar free. So、um, I come from Belgium, which is a very sugar dependent country. Well, sugar is in any processed foods, but、um, we are a country of chocolate. You're on the、I、record love... now, by the way. So. Yes, yes, yeah, I know. I mean, I still eat chocolate. I will not. 95% <laughs> But other, other things, I will try to、uh, reduce my sugar consumption. Yeah, that's a good one.、Mm. I want to do that too. I'm going to whisper it so that I'm not on the record. <laughs> plastics is something we can all strive for, though. Yes, less、definitely. dependency on plastics.、Um, something 
For me, um, this past year, I've been going to farming school once a month, and it's an organic farming school where I've learned about vegetables and bugs and soil and plants, and it's been wonderful. And I would love to um, apply that and and try as an experiment to grow some of my own vegetables. And something that Nakamura-san always says that just came to mind is um, knowledge plus experience is wisdom. And so I feel like I have the knowledge and I'll put the experience into practice and hopefully gain something out of that other than vegetables. And maybe growing our own food would mean that less plastic as well. But <laughs> we might not be mm-hmm. very full with what I grow. <laughs> yes. You guys will lose 20 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Here's body positivity. <laughs> <laughs> also, our chicken ex- mm-hmm. escaped. Our chicken oh, vanished. Yeah. Something ate out them. of into the nowhere, so we might want to get some new chicken to the eggs. I just want to make a disclaimer that I am being sarcastic because those are like the quote-unquote, you know, stereotypical New Year's resolutions. I am not trying to say that anybody needs to lose yeah. Also, like the New Year's resolutions, you cannot give up. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so something that like my sister um, did a couple years ago, and it's something that resonates with me, is like not having an uh, resolution that's mm-hmm. like this concrete goal but having like kind of an intention mm-hmm. or a mantra um, to like carry us in hard moments like mm-hmm. that seems like something that you can fall back on you know like this year like use my hands and be creative or something like that mm-hmm. or you know be mindful Just, of how we eat or how we spend you know yeah. something that we fall back on in hard times yeah in the sense of mindfulness and consciousness like you don't have to like okay if your resolution is to lose weight then, like don't don't still like, a joke. Yeah. Still a joke. <laughs> well, but then twenty pounds is just not. I mean, it might be feasible, but you know, just doing more of what you want to do or doing less of what you want to do less of. You know, like yeah, and, and not being so hard on yourself to make yeah. it. You know, yeah. As well. it's something that Linda said just before this podcast, as I was stressing about what to talk about, is if it's not fun, we shouldn't do it, and not to only indulge in fun things and hedonistic things but that we're doing them because they bring us joy and they bring us satisfaction and we see them as inherently meaningful and so i'm um, thinking about the things we do with that intention mm-hmm. i mean and hard things can be fun right it's not like mm. i think hard or like fun is always like associated with pleasure but nakamura-san you know says i choose this way and mm. it may take me more time you know it's harder to do but because it's my choice it's fun and so it's about enjoying the things that you choose to do. So choose to do things that are fun <laughs> for you. Luckily, okay, we're also the big circle. Yes. Luckily, we're also really in this position where we're where we can make those decisions, yes. and that's yes. so lucky. It's a privilege. Exactly. Yeah. It is yeah. definitely a privilege. Mm-hmm. And now it's time for the part of the podcast where we talk about recommendations. Yay! So first up is our climate recommendation. Kana? Yes. So uh, Christmas was unfortunately, well, at least the celebratory aspect of Christmas was canceled these past two years with COVID. Um, But this year it's back and we get to celebrate Christmas together. And um, this ties in with our climate recommendation, which is hosting. We are hosting a zero waste uh, Christmas gift exchange. We love Secret Santa and it's something we tried to introduce last time. But again, we couldn't because of COVID. Um, But for our Secret Santa rules, when we say zero waste, we want to say that um, the rule is you can't spend money. So it has to be either something homemade um, or secondhand that you already own. Um, 
And we did put a little asterisk because sometimes people feel uncomfortable with this. And if they really can't think of anything, they can buy something, but it has to be secondhand. Mm -hmm. And I think um, these like kind of limitations let us be more creative. And Mm -hmm. so I like that it's not only, you know, we're restricting um, people's consumption and that's great for the environment because we can address our consumerism, but also that, um, you know, by putting these limitations, people actually think about the person more and think about them in a more creative way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And also trying to use zero waste wrapping paper. So instead of buying wrapping paper, we can use newspaper and then just use some string. And one thing that kind of always does, it's so beautiful, it's you just find some leaves, you know, or some kind of berries outside. You just stick that onto the wrapping paper instead of using bows and it looks great. Okay, now time for personal recommendations. Let's start with our guest, Syl. Mm. Okay. Um, well, um, I love a book and um, I would love to share with you. It's a book by James Norbury and it's called Big Panda and Tiny Dragon. And it's amazing because if you're in a moment of stress or anxiety, it can give you comfort and it just can, it just also gives you a bunch of joy. So it's, um, it's a journey of a big panda and a tiny dragon and they share wisdom uh, and questions. And uh, so that's amazing. And if I can give a second recommendation that ties to climate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm also a climate conversations facilitator. Um, if you're listening from the Netherlands or Belgium or the UK, but also other places around the world, there's this organization called Carbon Conversations who started hosting um, groups, uh, well, workshops for groups of people who would like to talk about climate change or to talk learn to talk better about climate change because it's climate change is such a difficult topic. It's so conflicting because even though we want to do better, there are so many actions in ourselves that are contrasting that wish to do better, mm-hmm. to be more climate friendly. So we're trying, to, it's more talking about the psychology around mm-hmm. climate change and how to deal with those conflicting feelings, but also how to be a better communicator, as you said before, mm-hmm. learn to communicate in a, um, not how do you say this? Not like, Hacking, but mm. Mm, like um, uh, I w- uh, <laughs> aggressive. And yes. aggressive. Well, you know, mm. because when we have sometimes conversations about something that is a very very dear to us, ah, we kind of passionate. almost yeah mm. push people into a very defensive position. Mm. So we learn to learn people how to engage around climate change in a very open way where we mm-hmm. don't feel a need to be defensive or mm-hmm. um, pushing people to take certain de- mm-hmm. decisions. So really to have open conversations. So um, that's in, amazing. Yeah, in the UK it's called Carbon Conversations. That's the original uh, organization, but in Belgium it's Klimaatcontact. In the Netherlands, Klimaatgesprekken. And there's others around the world. Yeah, also wow. in Canada, I believe in Toronto. Yeah. Amazing. We'll put the links to that. Okay, I can go next. Yes, go for um, it. So also two recommendations. <laughs> the first, um, tying into what we talked about, about gift giving. I listened to a podcast by The Hidden Brain. It's kind of like psychology um, mixed with, yeah, something kind of current uh, trends. And the most recent episode was called The Secret of Gift Giving. And for someone like me who struggles with giving gifts or understanding gifts, it's just it's just a phenomenon that has always kind of blown my mind or made me question and, and confused. And so it really kind of break down what makes meaningful gifts and what, um, you know, people 
value of gifts. And so if you are also struggling in this season to give something special to someone you love or, you know, rethinking why gifts matter or why they don't matter, um, then I would recommend that podcast. And my second recommendation is a article that was shared to me by Flory and uh, a friend of ours. And um, it's called The Disappearing Art of Maintenance. And uh, we've had a lot of interesting conversations about um, reduce and recycle there's no M, there's no maintenance. And, um, you know, when we repair something, it's because it's broken, but maintenance is really about making something last. And so there's something kind of like, I don't know, hidden, but so important in the Mm. care that goes behind maintenance Mm. and thinking about longevity. And I, it just seems so taken for granted that we don't care for our items. And so really great article with some, interesting stories as well. And so I will link the podcast and the article. Yeah, it's amazing. Maintenance. Yeah. I mean, we also take care, we take for granted maintenance because we don't see it. Yeah, like you exactly. only notice when it's broken, right? Yes, exactly. Um, and finally, I also have two quick recommendations as well. The first is a book called Winter World by Bern Hein- 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 Heinrich. <laughs> I think he's German. German. Oh, he's a, <laughs> <laughs> a resident European now knows all the European languages. Um, I think his, I don't know where he's American, um, but he is a biologist, um, naturalist, and he just talks about all the wonders of the animals that hibernate and how they get through winter. And it's just amazing and fascinating to read. And then tying into that, I watched a movie recently where the crawdads sing. Um, I have not read the book yet, so I'm hoping to read that. And there was this part in the movie where the character, the main character, she's... No spoilers? Uh, no spoilers. She's basically also a naturalist and just, you know, looks at all the things around the marsh that where she lives and draws them out and records it. And I realized that that is my dream job. Like, all I want to do is sit and stare at a tree and just see what flies around, you know, what comes in, what's under the rocks, what's under the bark, what are the birds doing? And I think that is what I'm going to try to do with my life. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all be naturalists in that sense. Yes. That sounds wonderful. I also was talking about the micro seasonal calendars in Japan. Mm-hmm. And that also must have come about from somebody just staring at the changes in seasons and exactly. being like, oh, that tree turned yellow. What exactly. day is it today? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, you know, again, these really like we call them small joys, but I think those are the biggest joys and if I look back on my life and I could say I sat and watched nature, like I don't think I could be any happier <laughs> than that. And with that, I think we are out of time. <laughs> Very romantic. Nature can like be, freezing na- in the winter. Nature can be cruel as well. Oh, of course. But that's yeah. I mean, it's not saying a judgment of yeah. either or, right? I'm not saying. Mm-hmm. And I think that was actually one of the beautiful things that um, the character in Where the Crawdads Sing mm-hmm. said as well, which is that, you know, nature doesn't know good or bad. Mm-hmm. It's, there's no like mm-hmm. prey and predator is just part of the cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And with that, okay. shall we Merry sign Christmas. off? Yes. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Merry Happy Christmas. Happy holidays. Vollkastfest. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. And happy uh, 2023. Yes. Happy yes. 2023. Happy we will see you in the new year. May you all be warm and happy. Yes. Bye. Bye. <laughs>